When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Having fun like we do each and every Saturday. And guess what? This is my 11th year anniversary on ESPN. Cannot believe it. February 28th, 2011. I was given the seat right here. The microphone right here. To marry the worlds of art, sports, and surgery crazy concept but it works and certainly talking about food wait till i tell you today's topic is all about dogs the greatest homemade sausages and hot dogs in this city oh my god and i went there this week you bring them home and you cook them up talk about pop in your mouth oh my god i'll tell you where to get them coming up a little bit later my guest at eight fifteen is the great lily culber She's a pro surfer, and she is on fire, getting known and notoriety, becoming a brand. It's awesome. But what she's doing with her name and brand is also bringing to the forefront something she's passionate about, which is animal rights. And I knew she'd come on to talk about it at 815 So it made me think all week, protecting animals. Where did I see this? Someone using their recognition, their name, their brand in art, in sports, and in my world of surgery to rescue animals, to rescue a dog particularly. Well, this woman with the most beautiful voice you'll ever hear is Doris Day. When I was just a little girl. When I look back on her life, her parents separated. She was married four times, one guy after another who just broke her heart. But maybe that's what gave her room in her heart to help animals. Listen to Doris Day with Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. You can feel the kindness in this woman's heart coming right through the TV. The other day I saw on television some thing, news thing, you know, some frantic thing where the gunmen were going crazy and they're having a shootout and the one man said he was behaving like an animal. Animals don't do that. They're, they're terrific. They're calm, they're peaceful, they're loving. Um, what I figure is that in, inhuman, yes. inhuman beings yes. behave that way, not animals. Yeah. You, how did, how did I'm this just become an interested? So she then becomes a public service announcer for rescuing dogs. This is what it sounded like, the ad she made. Hello, I'm Doris Day, and I would like you to meet two of my very best friends. This is Shotzi, and this is Bubbles, and they came from the shelter. They were both going to be destroyed, but I got there just in time. Anyway, I'm here to tell you that our shelters are unbelievably overcrowded. And we can and must do something about it. So I beg of you, if you have room in your home and room in your heart, go to your city shelter today and adopt a pet. She realized that she could get a lot of recognition by enlisting her well-known actor and actress friends. So here she sits down with Angie Dickinson, big-time TV actor at the time, and say, you got to help. You got to help me with this project. 
Listen to Doris Day talking about rescuing dogs. Well, you know, we started a few years ago, and um, our main activity is pet adopting, you know. Mm -hmm. We take strays in and unwanted animals. We kennel them until we can find a home. We never put a dog or cat down. And we try to find the right people, you know, the right home to give them love and care. And and it's just very special care. And that's what we do. So she's working Angie Dickinson. You got to help me. Well, when I heard that the SPCAs all over the country every year put down or put to death 20 million cats and dogs. 20 million? 20 million, Oh, my God. I just felt that, you know, I don't know. Our group is not that big, but we have to do something. And we felt that what we are doing is right and necessary. And so we are sponsoring free spay and neuter clinics. Now listen to this final statistic. Told that one female dog, if, if a female dog has two litters, now this is normal reproducing, two litters a year, an unspayed dog, she is responsible for 4,000 puppies. Oh, that's unbelievable. She has the puppies, and those puppies have puppies, those puppies have puppies, 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 puppies. A seven-year period, 4,000 unwanted, homeless puppies that go to the SPCA. And that's just one dog. One dog. One girl. It says a lot about a person that you meet when they have room in their heart for a pet, for a dog, particularly to rescue one. And it comes sometimes from a person like Doris Day who had to be married four times searching for love and from a broken home and to do beautiful things with her life and use her legacy. What about in sports? Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, one of the toughest defensive players in the NFL. His parents couldn't raise him. His dad was in prison for murder. His grandparents took him on. But then his grandpa died. What are you going to do with this little boy? Well, there's an aunt and uncle who can take him. Join their family. That's what happened to Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew did not have that stability. Met a teammate, Pat Peterson, who said, you're going to come live with me. Keep you out of trouble. And yet Tyron Matthew has a place in his heart because he knows what it was like to be adopted himself. Did you better take care of your dogs? So he's working for PETA now. Listen to the ad that Tyron Matthew does to rescue dogs and to keep you from abusing them by letting them be tied up outside in the cold. Tyron Matthew locked himself in a freezer to show you what it was like that that poor dog is going through to bring recognition, the plight of abuse in dogs. I've never seen dogs, you know, outside in these kind of temperatures. I'm Tyron Matthew with PETA, and today I'm going to see how long I can last being locked inside of a freezer to see what it's like for dogs who are chained or pinned outside in the frigid cold. It's not that bad. Getting a little colder. Maybe I'll try to get something to drink. This candy bar is too frozen to eat. Yep, the fruit, the food freezes. The poor dog can't eat anything. Bite into it. I can imagine what dogs go through when their owners leave them outside in the freezing cold and their food freezes and they're not able to eat it. All my body wants to do is huddle right now. (laughs) I can get out of this freezer. Most dogs are chained up outside and they're not able to get warm. Listen to the kindness in Tyron Matthews' heart. This is colder than winter practice. Listen, I can't take it no more. Imagine being forced to live outside, chained a cage 24-7. That is no life for a dog. It's a life sentence. Bring your dogs inside, treat them like members of your family, and report neglect to authorities immediately. For more ways to help animals, visit PETA.org. Tyron Matthew knows firsthand what it's like to be mistreated to not be loved in a family, a nuclear home. But that place in his heart is big. 
big to protect those dogs. Listen to his story. Time has always made football look easy, but maybe that's because everyday life was the hard part. I still come back to New Orleans because, you know, this, this is my home. I feel like it taught me a lot of things, you know, about life. I was basically raised and nurtured by my grandparents. My mother was, was really young when she had me. My biological father um, is in prison. Uh, now you'll hear about how he was adopted by his aunt and uncle. My grandfather died, so my grandmother took my older sister and my family felt like I needed a father figure, so they thought it was best if I move with my uncle, who was my adopted father. Family decision, um, we, I felt like just, just giving back to also and uh, just giving love when we can. I just moved with my adopted parents, and their kids were into sports. I'd never been introduced to sports yet, so um, I was five when I scored my first touchdown. I love this interview with his adopted brother, who is, if anything, the opposite of a world-class athlete. But he took his adopted brother right in and introduced him to sports and made him feel at home. They adopted Tyron Matthew. It was always fascinating going outside and playing any kind of ball with him because it's not just football, it's baseball, basketball. Anything he was always excellent at. We were kind of blindsided ourselves because when we first adopted Tyron, none of us knew he had any athletic talent like that. The people out there would say, who's that kid? He was real quiet in high school. Didn't say much. He, you know, just tried to lead by example. He had the heart of a lion. Listen to him hanging out with his best friends, playing basketball with gang members. So right now we're at Kerry Curley Park in New Orleans East, one of those special places. And there'll be times we'll come to the park and it'll just be gangbangers at the yeah. park. And, like, they don't even know how to play basketball, but they just want to play against us. They want to beat us so bad, you know what I mean? But We wasn't leaving the court unless we was the winners and the champs. Yeah, it, you know, was him. So. it was him who, who he, All the time, he never refused wanted to, to lose. He didn't want to nah. leave. Yeah. Playing against murderers, <laughs> robbers, and, you know, it just teaches you a different side of being tough. Listen to how his friends, and he keeps those friends. His heart is big. This is Pat Peterson, his best friend at LSU, and how the name the Honey Badger came about. So right now we're at Kerry Curley Park in New Orleans East. I met Tyron on his recruiting trip to LSU, and we hit it off immediately. I think the first thing I ever told him was that I was going to be better than him. And um, I'm still working on that. <laughs> he took off on the field and was a star shuffling past defenders with crazy quickness and earned himself the legendary nickname, the Honey Badger. Where did that name come from? What exactly is a Honey Badger? Well, listen to what a Honey Badger is and why that's his nickname. I was like, what is a Honey Badger? My defensive coordinator at the time, John Chavis, came up to me and uh, he said, yeah, this is what everyone's calling you. And he showed me this crazy video. Honey Badger's been referred to by the Guinness Book of World Records as the most fearless animal in all the animal kingdom. It really doesn't give a He was like, this is the most badass animal I've ever seen. Tyron was a Heisman Trophy finalist in his sophomore season, but with all the success came pressure. And he was not capable of handling it. Too much pressure. He didn't have that stability. He has a big heart, as we're going to find out. But he needed that adopted family even more. But they couldn't do it. So guess who comes to his rescue? His teammate, Pat Peterson, ultimately says, I'm going to adopt you. You're going to come live with my family. Listen to Pat Peterson talk about it. I have as much fun as I had my freshman year. I'm the reason this game is won or lost. And, you know, when, you, when you're considered the best player on the team, they expect you to turn the game around and, you know, to make those plays every game. And, and I didn't really know what all came with being a, a, a superstar. Before training camp started his junior year, Tyron Hatfield multiple drug tests for marijuana. Tyron Matthew is no longer on our team. Um, violated team policy. Can you imagine being up there for the Heisman Trophy and ultimately gets cut by the team for marijuana? 
He's lost. He needs to be adopted. He didn't want to let me go. Um, and even he's crying and, you know, he's tearing up. And, and it was just, you know, just looking at my whole life kind of running away from me. It was devastating. It was embarrassing, you know. It was hurtful. But needed to get to work, you know, let's, let's get him back on track. Mm-hmm. Good evening. Four former LSU football players arrested on drug charges. You're looking at new video of the men being taken away in handcuffs from a Baton Rouge police substation. For Tyron Matthew, this is a letdown. He attended rehab, was attempting to... Re- Why does Tyron Matthew appreciate adopting a dog, a pet, rescuing them? Because listen to Pat Peterson rescuing him was a good idea for him to get away from Baton Rouge, so I invited him to live and train with my family in South Florida, preparing for the NFL. Still too shallow, but that, that worked. And every time I was around Pat, we had fun, but we stuck to the script. So I felt like I needed to get back around that type of, type of environment, those type of people. Finish, 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 finish. Well, it is uh, settling into another long evening for Teron Matthew, the former LSU cornerback, as he waits to hear where his name will be called. Will it be in the second round? Will it be in the third round? Will it be part of day three's coverage? He's ultimately drafted by the Arizona Cardinals, where he stars on the team and then transfers to the Kansas City Chiefs. He uses his notoriety, his fame, his brand to give back to rescue dogs. Doris Day did the same thing, using her name, her brand, to showcase the need to rescue dogs, rescue animals. Coming up next, we'll talk to the great Lily Culber, a surfer who's using her name to do the same thing, rescuing animals. Can't wait to talk to her. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. And don't miss Mason in Ireland. Back Monday at 1 on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm still quelling. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited to talk to my next guest, the great Lily Culber. Lily, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Yeah, of course. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. I always love speaking to you. (laughs) Listen, just bring us up to date. What's happening in your life in the surfing world? Where have you been surfing? What what competition have you been in? Tell us what you are up to. Um, I've been surfing in Mexico and just at home at Topanga. And recently I was just in Santa Cruz for a surf contest. Uh And I will be heading to Florida and Barbados shortly for a couple of competitions. Oh, my God. And Lily, how young are you now? I am 17 years old. Oh, my God. I can't remember when you were born. Oh, my God. This is just awesome. Well, I heard and saw and read... Something beyond surfing that you're up to, using your fame and fortune now for a cause. Tell us a little bit about your other passion beyond surfing and what animals mean to you. Uh, Yeah, so I think that just growing up in the environment and spending so much time with animals, I built that really close connection from a very young age. Mm -hmm. Um, And so through that passion, now I've started to work with nonprofits, specifically in Laguna Beach. I work with uh, Laguna Greenbelt Inc. to build a wildlife corridor and to work on preserving biodiversity. Mm. Uh, so I definitely do love animals and try to do my best in protecting them in whatever way I can. So tell us what the problem is that you need to get involved with. What does it mean to have a corridor? 
So ultimately, a corridor is what allows animals to flee during wildfires. And as wildfires have been increasing in severity, um, the risk also has been increasing for animals who don't have this escape. So in Laguna, which is a rather small wildlife court, uh, wildlife reserve of 20,000 acres, when there's a fire, these animals don't have an escape. Um, which is very important for the animals to be able to flee. So we're working on building a corridor that would link it to the Santa Ana Mountains so that these animals could have an escape route. And have you gotten other athletes uh, involved? Have you used your goodwill and your name to spread the wealth? Um, Not for uh, Laguna Greenbelt, um, that nonprofit, but I also work with Surfrider, that has a lot of other um, professional surfers working with them as well. And I've been able to get a couple of my friends to join in uh, with what we do for Surfrider. What gets the most attention from people? How do you, what's your plan to get the message out? You wrote an article, it was in the paper. What else are you doing? Uh, I mean, other than that, I try to advocate on my um, Instagram and I paint Save Our Oceans on the bottom of my board. So whenever I have a post-heat interview or I win a contest, I try to bring my board up to advocate for it and just to try to get that sense of urgency out of, you know, this is, you know, this is our environment and it's really important that we care for it, especially considering that our sport depends on it. Mm, Exactly, because surfing really is in nature. And that's where the animals are. So there's a really a direct connection with that. Um, is there anybody that's been key in terms of helping you make this all happen? Someone mentoring you in this or are you just figuring it out all by yourself? Uh, I mean, the connections, I, I'm so lucky to live in a place where everyone is so kind and open to collaboration. So it's just been making connections at contests and meeting new people who are like, oh, hey, we're working on this project. I heard you're interested in environmental issues. Would you like to join us and just mm-hmm. building connections along the way? But my parents have definitely been a very big support in getting me to where I want to be. Who's the big uh, dog lover in your family, your mom or your dad? Uh, that's a tough one. I'd say I'd actually have to go with my brother. <laughs> really? What does Louie know about dogs? Um, I don't know. He just loves dogs. <laughs> have you ever yeah. rescued a dog? Uh, no, but we rescued a cat. Oh, yeah. I have. I love cats also. I think the animal actually knows that it's been rescued. I'm fully convinced of that. It's different to to get a dog at a pound versus getting a dog from a breeder. They actually appreciate it tremendously, and they know it. Is there any particular animal that you're most interested in? Like a wild animal. What a, Have you seen a mountain lion? Have you seen a bear? What have you seen in the wild? Um, I have not seen a mountain lion. Um, I've seen a lot of snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely really fascinated by birds. Um, the gnat catcher in Laguna is definitely one of the birds that amaze me the most. They, you know, the wild animals, they live amongst us. I was in my daughter's house in Encino. It was at night, so you couldn't really see, but there's a French door and I'm sitting at the table. And because the door was there, I am literally separated by this mountain lion, but it turned out to be a bobcat, which literally walked like inches away from my leg because my leg was on one side of the the window pane and they went the other walk thank you nonchalantly walking into the backyard in Encino. So these animals, the corridor that you're talking about, they are very much here uh, in the Santa Monica Mountains as well as down in Orange County. Is there any particular animal that is 20,000 acres you said? Yes, 20,000 acres. So who's in that? What kind of animals are in that? 20,000 acres? Um, I mean, there's so many different species living inside that um, wildlife reserve. It's really astonishing. Um, A lot of birds, snakes, uh, coyotes. um, It really ranges from really smaller species to much bigger ones. Hmm. But yeah, there definitely is um, a lot of species living within that wildlife area. So as a surfer, last Sunday I was in the water. And talking about dogs, you know what looks like a dog swimming in the water? A sea lion. This baby sea lion popped his head up. 
I'm telling you, 10 feet away from my surfboard. It's with the whiskers and the ears and the whole bit. And he was a baby, a juvenile. He was so fascinated. He came closer. And I'm just going, you know what? Maybe he's going to bite me. I don't know. But, you know, last time I checked, they don't eat Jewish people from New York. But uh, I was, <laughs> I don't know what to do with this, this animal. How close as a surfer have you gotten to wildlife? Have you ever been in the water when someone saw a shark? Uh, yes, I have, actually. I was once in a contest when a great white breached not too far <laughs> oh away. Thank you. Did they cancel the uh, the competition at that point, I hope? Uh, no, they actually didn't because the lifeguards <laughs> didn't see, and I guess the people running the contest didn't want to lose their permit. So <laughs> they're like, cattle out at your own safety. So. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Lily Colbert, instead of animal rights, I think you need to have a new campaign for surfers' rights that they should cancel the competition when a great white shark yeah. jumps out of the water for no reason. <laughs> Probably they do this before they're about to eat something. Oh, my God. How about seals? You come close to seals? Did a pelicans fly yes. over your head? Yes. Once I was surfing in Ventura alone and I got chased out by an angry seal that was just not having a very good day, yeah. and it came up like a foot away from me. And yeah, how about dolphins? I, I was like, okay. How about dolphins? How close have you come to dolphins? Uh, pretty close to dolphins as well. I'd say like a foot away. They dolphins are so friendly; they'll come up very close to you in the ocean. So. I have a picture that one of my buddies took uh, from the beach of me surfing. I have all these stalkers now that take pictures, and in the picture of him taking a picture of me, you can see the silhouette of the dolphin in the wave that I did not know. But you're out there riding waves. What you don't realize is riding a wave with you is a dolphin sometimes secretly doing it and never going to jump out of the water to show you. But it really is amazing. One of the great things about surfing is you really are in nature. And uh, it's really a blessing to be able to see the wildlife when you get out in the water. That's incredible, Lily. Well, what's new for you? You're 17. You're going to go to college. You're going to study. What are you going to do in college? Um, I'm planning on going into environmental economics. So um, every like voluntary carbon markets and that area to hopefully help with mitigating the effects of climate change. Wow. Well, I just want you to know, as long as I'm on this uh, station and as long as I'm doing this, Whenever you've got some animal rights or some something you're passionate about, you got me in your back pocket to be able to announce it. You'll come on and you'll tell us all about what you're up to because you're one of those people that we're all so proud to to know because you really have a big heart. You're able to encompass so many things and do good with your life. So keep doing what you're doing, Lillian. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Clapper. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's truly a pleasure. I'm really rooting for you. Thanks so much. All right. The great Lily Culber, a surfer, animal rights activist. She's going to do great things with her life. Coming up next, I'll tell some stories and we'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. What? Who are you? What did you just say? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. He's chiseled out of marble. He's got 48 chest and a 32-inch waist. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Who let the dogs out? The Baja men, that's who let the dogs out. What a great show. What a great topic. I don't know where I went wrong in life. I wanted to be a veterinarian, and here I am taking care of human beings. But it's good. It's all good. It's fascinating. The whole concept of comparative anatomy is fascinating. I did a thesis in college on an anatomy textbook by a man named Vesalius, published in 1543. It was the first anatomy textbook where they actually dissected human beings, an anatomy textbook for doctors and surgeons. And Vesalius was such a big shot, he wanted to point out, hey, this is the first time we really dissected human beings because up until then, the church would not let you dissect a human being. So they used to dissect animals to try to understand anatomy. But there's this one page where you can see that they didn't only dissect human beings for this book. 
but they did dissect dogs. What do I mean? Because on this one page, there's, there's a mistake. So the six-pack muscle, called the rectus abdominis, goes from the top of your pelvis, right below your belly button, to the bottom of your rib cage, right? That's your six-pack. Well, in dogs, that six-pack doesn't end at the bottom of your rib cage. The six-pack, the rectus abdominis, goes all the way up to your throat, to the hyoid bone in your throat. And on page 102 or whatever of the book, when they show the rectus abdominis, they show it going all the way up to the throat. And that means, hey, buddy, don't be such a big shot. You clearly are using the wrong dissection to show what's inside a human being because that's not in humans. So fascinating. All right, I want to talk about Odell Beckham Jr. because I tweeted it because here he's having his ACL surgery done yet again. What is up with that? Well, one of two things happens. One, the tunnel placement. And I don't mean about Odell Beckham, but just in general, when I see patients who come to me because someone's already done their ACL and now it's torn and needs to be revised or redone, there are two things that usually go through my head. One, first question to ask, did you use your own body parts, your own patella tendon? Yes or no? And the other, in other words, did you use a cadaver? And the second thing I look for is on the x-ray, I don't even need the MRI for this, on the x-ray, I look to see where the tunnel that the surgeon drilled in the tibia and femur, particularly in the the tibia, the shin bone, it needs to be in the exact right spot. And if it's not, then that alone will cause extra stress on the new ligament, the ACL graft, and it will fail. So when I look at the side view, the lateral view on the x-ray, you want the tunnel that the surgeon drilled to be at the 50-yard line of the bone, the halfway point on the bone as it enters the knee joint. And what I usually see is, no, the tunnel is at the 20-yard line, or the third, it's not at the 50-yard line. So that's something we see. And it reminds me, here's a clap revision of golf. You know, when they play golf, starting Thursday, they play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Those are the four rounds that make up a a golf tournament, like we just had the Genesis Open at Riviera. Each day, they put the flag on the green in a different spot so that each day the golfers have to shoot for a different hole on the green. And there's a device that the greenskeeper uses to plug the old hole from the day before and now plug and make a new putting hole on the same green. And that hole puncher is very similar to the tools that we're using, but it has to be precise. They do such science behind where exactly to put the hole on the putting green. And as a surgeon, it's exactly the same thing. You better put that putting green hole, the cup, exactly in the right spot in the knee. Otherwise, you will fail with that graft, and it will need to be redone. All right, the lines are lit up. Who are we going to take? Oh, let's do Steve. Steve, you're on with Dr. Clapper. Thanks for calling back. God bless you. Thank you, Dr. Clapper. Yeah, good. I'm the one with the tennis football. Yeah, good. All right, talk to me. So are you a, tell me how young you are again. Uh, 63. 63. Wow, you sound younger. Good for you. Um, you're about 63, aren't you? I'm 64 and a half. I'm going to be 65 July 24th. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. <laughs> when I grew up, people were 65. They were in a nursing home, and they're rocking back and forth in a rocking chair. Look at me. I'm surfing, and I'm on the radio and operating. That's crazy. Good for you. That's great. Um, <laughs> all right. So are you a righty or a lefty? A uh, righty. So and I'm a picky figure. And is it your right hand or left hand? Right hand. It's uh, the epaul. Uh, I mean, the uh, lateral. It's the lateral side. So lateral epicondylitis is the fancy word for tennis elbow. And what does it mean? Lateral just tells you the side. Medial is the, with your palms up. Medial is the the pinky side with your palms up. Lateral is the thumb side with palms up of your elbow. Epicondyle. That's the name of the pointy part of the bone at the elbow, but it refers to the, 
the distal or the end of the humerus bone, the arm bone. And at that prominence, that point, is where the origin of the three muscles that allow you to extend your wrist so that you can hold a, I'm not going to say Corona anymore. I'm going to say a Michelob Ultra because I learned that at the Super Bowl. It's my favorite beer right now. But to hold a Michelob Ultra, you have to extend your wrist and flex your fingers. To hold a golf club, to hold a tennis racket, you need to extend your wrist. So the three muscles that originate from that prominence on the distal humerus is the brachioradialis. Brachio in Latin means arms. That's where it attaches. Radialis is the radial bone of your forearm. Brachioradialis extends your wrist. And the extensor, because it extends your wrist. Carpi in Latin means wrist. Extensor carpi, radialis, longus, and brevis. There's a long tendon and a small tendon. So those three muscles anchor themselves, and when they shorten, they allow you to extend your wrist. The deepest muscle is the extensor extensor carpi radialis brevis. That guy is tennis elbow. What does that mean? It literally rips off of the bone, kind of like two pieces of Velcro ripping apart. So what what do surgeons like to do for this? Right away, they want to give you a cortisone shot. No, don't let them. Right away, they want to give you a forearm band. No, that ain't going to work. Or they do K-tape. No, that ain't going to work. Or they give you a wrist splint. No, that ain't going to work. And then they give you medicines, anti-inflammatories. Here's the problem. It's not, a, it's not an issue of inflammation. So don't give me an anti-inflammatory. It's an issue of being 63, altacocaritis. Your muscle <laughs> is degenerating. That's why your hair falls out on top of your head, and the hair that remains turns gray. That's why you get cataracts. That's why your heart valves calcify. You get older. So what happens? The elasticity of that muscle is is not there anymore, so it rips and it tears. It's a degeneration. So don't treat it as inflammation. Treat it as degeneration. What does that mean? You need to recruit the brachioradialis and extensor carpi radialis longus muscle and make them stronger so you can heal what you've torn by having your tennis racket too thin or too wide or something affecting your grip. So I need you to buy, you're a big, strong guy, not a three-pound, but maybe a five-pound dumbbell, okay? This is how we're going to strengthen the muscles that are around. Palms down, rest your forearm on a table, grab the five-pound dumbbell, and now extend your wrist with the dumbbell. Guess what's going to happen right away, Steve? You're going to go, ow, that hurts. Put the weight down. I've been down. doing that for like two weeks now. Yeah, I've good. Done, I've been doing that for two weeks. Two weeks ain't yeah. enough. This is not, it's yeah, like, it's like making brownies. They smell good at 10 minutes. You can't eat them. They take 40 minutes to cook. Two, minute, two, <laughs> two weeks don't count. You're not having the baby, you know, when you're pregnant for a month. You need to be nine months pregnant, and I didn't make the rules. Talk to the big orthopedic surgeon in the sky. He made the rules nine months to be pregnant. So you need more than two weeks. But you lift that dumbbell up and then do it to fatigue. Ah, put the weight down. A couple hours later, do it again. Do this throughout the day, but not for two weeks. Do it for a month, four to six weeks, and I promise you, your pain will go away, and here's the best part. It won't come back. You avoid surgery. You avoid shots. You don't need the cockamamie forearm bands. You don't need to have uh, you know, any other thing, a wrist uh, splint. You don't need any of that stuff. You will get better four or five times during the day for just a few minutes till it hurts. You'll be making those other muscles strong. And as a, you're a tennis player or a golfer. Well, I, I tennis, and I did it uh, when I was in, you know, from a teenager to or before that, all the way to like fifty. But then I stopped because of the tennis elbow, and I went into pickleball. And so pickleball, I've been playing for like yeah. two or two and a half years. I had no problem, but just uh, a month ago, it, it flared up. And this so, is what I, it, but one thing you said made me think I might have the wrong. Uh, when you said palms, I had palm down, and on my pinky side, that's the. Is that the Lateral? Yeah. On the outside of the elbow. Yeah, yeah. That's the lateral side. Yeah. But it's well, palms, 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 up. palms up. When your palm is up, your thumb okay. side is the lateral side of your elbow when your palm is up. But, no, you have a tennis elbow. And you have to do this. One other thing. 
you need to seriously look at the pickleball and the tennis racket. You may right. need to wrap. You can buy this inexpensively and make it a wider grip. That will help you also. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. Do that. That's a good, okay. All right, Stephen. Thank you, Doc. You're welcome. You're a total stranger, but you're a part of the family. And thanks for being a loyal weekend warrior. I really appreciate it. You do not. You're already dealing with total strangers telling them. So thank you so much for everything. I appreciate it, Stephen. Thanks for listening. God <laughs> bless you. Telling them, Doc. You're the greatest. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much. Have a good weekend. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. Coming up next, I want to tell you a story about a dog rescue. A dog rescue that is near and dear to my heart. And I also need to tell you, we're the greatest homemade hot dog and sausage since we're talking about dogs in L.A. is. I'll explain. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Magandan Umaga. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Cells are just tiny people. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. You know what song I've been listening to lately? It's a song from Pure Prairie. I forgot the, the third word. Pure Prairie Club or something. And this song is called Amy. And the lead singer who wrote the song had to leave the band, like after he writes the song. How many times during your day are you going to say to yourself, Robbie, what do you want to do? You got to make a decision. And I'm a surgeon. That's what I do for a living. And every decision I make has to be perfect because someone's life depends on it. Think about the stress in that. It's intense being right every single time. But for some reason, and I had some days off this week, and I went surfing, and I could not get that song out of my head. And then I looked at the lyrics and read the story about it. Amy, what do you want to do? It's awesome. You should listen to it. You'll enjoy that song awesome what a show the near and dear story about dogs which i've told before but i'll tell it again we have time is about a surgeon who since passed away his name was saul bernstein saul bernstein was this town of los angeles's greatest pediatric orthopedic surgeon who particularly loved curvature of the spine scoliosis that was his thing and he was a gruff, not friendly dude. Scary guy. Kind of like Mike Ditka, you know, the football coach. He's not a guy that you, you know, shake his hand, say hello to. He's, leave me alone. Tough. Well, he decides one day to leave the hospital where he worked his whole career and come to Cedars. And there was no locker rooms in the main hospital at the time because they did the spines on the 8th floor, and I worked on the 7th floor. So they gave him a locker on the 7th floor because someone had just retired, or I don't know what happened. But now, in the locker right next to me, is Saul Bernstein. This is, I'm like literally afraid of this guy. He's just scary. So I go to work one day. I'm changing my clothes into my scrubs, and there he is changing his into his scrubs. I knew who he was. He knew who I was. And I just, like, he nodded his head. I said, good morning. He didn't even say good morning. He just nodded his head. Okay, good. Thank you. Have a nice day. I didn't even say anything to him more. Changed my clothes. I went and did my knee surgery, hip surgery, shoulder surgery, all the different surgeries that I do. And he would go upstairs and do 10-hour, you know, scoliosis operation on, on some child. And he was amazing at it. Well, sure enough, next week I'm back, and there he is. I did the good morning again. And instead of the, ne the the head knob, he said, good morning back. It was like, oh, my God, I was on cloud nine. The guy talked to me. I couldn't believe it. And the next week, he didn't just say good morning back. He said, I said to him, I forget, okay, the door's open. I can talk to him. You know, I love people. That's why I'm doing this radio show. I said, uh, what kind of surgery are you doing today, Saul? 
He said, oh, I have a 12-year-old, bad scoliosis. I'm probably going to be here for probably 12 hours. Well, good luck with your surgery, uh, Saul. God bless you for what you do. And I must have said something like that. Got changed, went into the Myoir, and then he went up to the eighth floor. The next week, I said good morning. You know what he said to me? What kind of surgery are you doing, Robbie? And he said my name. Oh, my God. My heart started to pound. Saul Bernstein said my name, and he yet and he said my first name, Robbie. I couldn't believe it. So this took about, I, I won't even say a month, probably two months. He's asking me what I'm doing and asked my name. I was besides myself. So this continued on. The next month, I go to change my clothes. There he is. I said, hello, good morning. Now we're, I won't say best friends, we're friends. He has the biggest smile on his face. And I said, you're so happy today, Saul. What's going on? You have a great case to do? What's happening? He says, no, Robbie, I adopted a dog. I said, adopted a dog? He goes, yeah, my kids are all grown. They're out of the house. I got grandkids now. It's just me and my wife in the big house. I said, okay. He said, yeah, I adopted a dog. And I can't wait to get home. I'm going to do my surgery. I can't wait to get home because that dog is going to wait for me all day because I rescued this dog, Robbie. I rescued this dog from the shelter. I said, well, that's really nice. He said, yeah, I went to the shelter and I said to them, who's the dog that you're going to kill tomorrow? You know, today, that is their last day. And she said, well, we have this German shepherd. He's seven years old. Nobody wants him. He's too old. He's not a puppy. He's been with us for the limited amount of time. We can't hold him anymore. We have to make room for other dogs, so we're going to put him down. And Saul Bernstein said, that's the dog that I want. I want him, the one you're going to put down today. Really? Because we have these other cute little uh, poodles and puppies. No, I want that guy. He adopts the dog, and he says to me, and Robbie, you know what I named that dog? I named that dog Lucky. And that dog, he said to me, knows that I saved him. And that dog waits for me all day long with his snout underneath the fence, waiting for my car to come, to come up the garage, the driveway. I said, oh, my God. Well, fast forward a couple of years later, I hear that Saul Bernstein passed away. And I was devastated because now I'm a friend with this giant of a man in the field of orthopedic surgery, passed away. His son, believe it or not, was also an orthopedic surgeon who did pediatrics, Matt Bernstein. So I'm in the operating room, and this is a few years later, and I see Matt Bernstein. Oh, hi, Robbie, he says. How are you? I said, Matt, great to see you. And I'm, st- you know, my condolences about your dad. Oh, that's, that's fine. You know? And he went into his father's profession type of deal. I went into my father's profession, who was a carpenter. I became a carpenter in the body. Very different, but same. And... I, I said to him, Matt, can I just ask you a question? He says, sure, what? I said, whatever happened to Lucky? And he starts laughing. He looks at me and goes, Lucky? How do you know about Lucky? I said, because Matt, your dad told me about Lucky. I was with him when he adopted that dog. And he looks at me and goes, you know, now that my dad's passed away, my mom's in that big house all by herself, and we keep telling the kids she needs to move. She can't stay in that big house by herself. But you know, Robbie, she won't move. You know why? Because she doesn't want to upset Lucky. She doesn't want to have to put him away or give him away. He likes being in that big house. So she's staying in the house because of that dog, Lucky. That's my animal dog rescue story in the world of surgery, my world of surgery. Saul Bernstein, wherever you are, these are the airwaves. I hope they're going into the heavens. And I hope you hear this show. And to thank you for all the kids that you helped over your beautiful career. And thank you for rescuing that dog and naming him Lucky. Unbelievable. Giant of a man. So there you go. He was gruff until I cracked him like an egg and got inside to the yoke of that beautiful man, Saul Bernstein. All right. Where, speaking of dogs, is the best hot dog, homemade hot dogs, homemade sausages. They even have British Bangers for bangers and mash. My mouth is watering already. Well, it's at the farmer's market. 
on 3rd Street in Fairfax, and it's called Huntington Meats. You go there and look at that display from Italian sausage to British bangers to chorizo, every possible sausage you can imagine, Louisiana hot links. Everything's there, and it's homemade, and it's awesome. So the best place in L.A. for all things dogs, hot dogs and sausages, Huntington Meats. Let's talk a little bit about next week. And callers, the lines are all lit up. You call it next week, 730, I'll put you at the front of the line. But next week is going to be fun. My guest is an, a retired OBGYN, Paula Bernstein, Dr. Paula Bernstein. She retired. And guess what she's doing now? She's writing mysteries. A lot of them. It's unbelievable. Like, I don't know, 15 books or something. And she has the detective, a woman detective, and all of the mysteries relatable to medicine. It's fascinating. She's using her career in a way that you would never imagine. The, the, the career of medicine to write mysteries. So it made me think already, who do I want to talk about who did the same thing? Use the medical career in the art world. Well, in surgery, I'm certainly doing it every Saturday with you as a weekend warrior. But did you know Jurassic Park and the Andromeda strain? One of the greatest storytellers and writers of our time, Michael Crichton. He went to medical school but didn't want to be a doctor afterwards and became a writer. And I certainly want to talk about Jack Klugman and the TV show Quincy. So there you have it for next week's show. Until then, I'll leave you with Volari, which means I'm singing and I'm flying, which we do every Saturday. And thanks for joining me and thanks for telling your friends. Until next Saturday, I'll see you on the radio. Poi d'improvviso venivo dal vento rapito. E in 